As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Despite what their moms told them, they just aren't talented enough for radio. Unfortunately, anyone can have a show these days. Sean. Well, I'm pretty hard to figure out sometimes. I can't even figure myself out sometimes, so don't you try to. Joe. You're an idiot and really a disloyal person. This is the Cuse Militia. Those two unapologetically biased, orange-blooded homers, Sean and Joe. It's the most bullshit thing I've seen in 30 years. Welcome, orange men and ladies. Happy Sunday. This is the Cuse Militia with Sean and Joe. At Cuse Militia, on the socials, go there, join the militia. Syracuse breaks a three-game losing streak with a quad three win over Boston College. They improved to 14-10, 7-6 in the ACC. And as chances begin to dwindle down, the Orange are 0-5 in quad one and 1-3 and in quad two wins so far for the year. At this point, you'll hear from us and we'll hear from you in fan feedback. It's good to be back, uh, you know, on the Welcome heels of, back, of a win, too. Um, didn't, you know, uh, it would be much worse to sit on the sidelines while I was uh, away with some wins in there, some big wins, and um, instead we dealt with losses. I'd much rather have the wins, but anyway, I was on a work trip in Orlando, and the more I thought about it, the more I, th- I, I, I thought, man, maybe I didn't, maybe we didn't tell them live that we that I, we were going to miss these two shows because we did speak about it. And the more I thought about yeah. it, the more I think it was in the green room after an uh, after a show. So with that said, that makes sense. Otherwise, uh, we would have definitely um, been on top of that. But I got a lot of DMs and things yeah, like that. My brother texted me and uh, he asked, asked if the sh- we were done with the show. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, no. Despite what people might want to think or might want to happen, we're not done with the show. Unfortunately, for those people, we're still around. And that's, that's too bad. No, no one, no one's forcing anybody to listen. No one's forcing you to read my tweets on Twitter too, but people still do that. Um, so, anyways, I was in Orlando on a work trip, and uh, I brought everything with me, but the schedule there was just too packed to overcome and be able to put together any kind of show, and I totally missed every dribble of the UVA game, which I went back and watched the condensed version of. Uh, and I liked what I saw. Uh, unfortunate f- on the loss. Looks like things kind of, you know, the, the the condensed version doesn't do a game justice, I don't feel like. So I'm not sure yeah. if I got the whole gist of that. I didn't read anything about it, but kind of looked like they just had um, some small issues down the stretch. And we know what, what happened with Virginia Tech. I saw our board Giovanni Heater on Q Sports Talk Radio. With um, a couple of guys, I think, gosh, I don't remember who they were now off the top of my head, and I apologize, but 
Uh, he was on that show and he talked about Hunter Couture. We talked about Hunter Couture. That team's just the dynamic with him in there is completely different. They go on, you know, they beat Duke, they beat us, they beat UVA last night. So, I mean, no shame in that game. Um, they're mm-hmm. playing, they're playing high caliber basketball right now. UVA, obviously. Kind of goes without saying, we were, we were lucky to be in that game, much like the game against uh, UNC, despite the fact that they're not even, UNC that is, not even being ranked. But some close games, and the fan base will still implode on itself and break out in civil war. Um, Jim Beheim said some some things that I thought were pretty normal. Um <laughs> and all of a sudden, everybody's listening to press conferences or something, or was that actually the straw that broke the camel's back? I don't, I don't, I, I don't know, but you know, I just, I, I don't understand why there's some who just love the the drama of creating issues out of nothing, and I think it probably happens once a year, and. You know, we've been listening. We, I, if you've listened to this show for a long time, we've played coaches pressers for it's going on seven seasons now. Okay, I don't think we used to do them every episode, but it's been quite some time. We've been doing them every episode. I, I put in the, those montages on purpose. The snark every time there is some. So if you listen to the show, you know that the snark always happens. Okay, it is no secret. It's been since I was a kid that Jim Beheim and Syracuse Sports Media have a contentious relationship. This, these, these things are not new. So why is there controversy now? I don't know. I, I, I wasn't really around. I didn't read much about it. I did go back and listen to it. Um, but other than that, I don't understand the controversy. He's been way ruder uh, in the past. If you really want to gauge it, he's been worse. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, Joe. You, you know he had this he had this interview with uh, Pete Thamel as well. I saw had, that just yeah. last night, and he's getting obliterated as well. Yeah, so. so he put his foot in his mouth talking about how uh, Pitt and Wake Forest bought teams. Um, yeah. Okay, I think he in the article or later on it was corrected. He he did come out and say that he misspoke. Probably not. Probably not the best thing to say. And by the way, I'm no Jim Beheim bootlicker. I've given him plenty of um, criticism, especially this year, but to cling on to the things that you know he's going to, you know, the things that you expect from a press conference is one thing. And, uh, you know, whether or not you want to agree with the way he handled the question on Benny, uh, I think it was, I think it was rude. Um, okay. But didn't, we're making a mountain out of a molehill with that. I think, you know, the Pete Thamel thing that just happened recently. I think Coach is just frustrated. He, he mentioned in that article, he mentioned the Pete Thamel about, this is why, you know, Jay Wright's gone. This is why Coach Krzyzewski's gone. It's a, it's a circus now. And it's too much to keep up with. And for all of those who are waiting for him to retire, I, I wouldn't bet it's too long before he gets fed up with it too. And we'll see what happens at the end of this year and uh, go from there. But, you know, I don't know what he meant when he said he misspoke because, I mean, I mentioned on this show that, you know, Pitt put together a super team out of the portal. I don't know about any money or anything like that um, as far as buying teams, but it's obviously, it's obvious what they did and they did a good job and that's all legal and, and above the fray now and that's okay. But 
it's going to be tough to compete like that all the time to put together super teams, you know, to contend every year. So look, it's the whole thing's really fluid. Um, I think, I think we're on a path. I think the NCAA in general is on a path to destruction in, in some way. So I agree with him when he says, you know, we're not in a good place with college basketball. I, I really do agree with that. I don't see how it's great, especially for a school like Syracuse. Right. So. And, and it comes down to there's always unintended consequences to certain things. And I just it hasn't even been around long enough to even go through a, a cycle of, you know, a four to five year, you know, player cycle to see how this is really going to have an effect. Um, because realistically, if you look at it and there's all these transfers and all these people from other schools, um, those transfers are taking up normal like scholarship scholarships positions and stuff. Right. Yeah. So now you're talking that you're going to have players that are normally good enough to go to some of these bigger division one schools. Now they're not going to have a spot. So now some of these better players are just going to trickle down to some of these mid major schools and that might make them more competitive or that's just going to be the cycle because then you're going to have these four star guys that are going to mid major schools that after two years, then get the transfer portal the one year to, you know, yeah, you proved yourself. So now you're, you're, you're worthy enough to come play, you know? So we're st- we still don't know where that's going to land, um, but right now it definitely is almost like free agency. Yeah. And Jim Beheim probably shouldn't have used specific teams' names, especially if he didn't know. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, um, <laughs> you could have still made the comment without using specific team names because you know what's happening. Teams are going out and they're they're getting better better players and better teams um, and older, more experienced teams. Because they have that type of stuff to to give away. Yeah, and you know, I totally agree with that. And maybe, I guess the 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 Wake Forest coach came out and said, "Well, that's absolutely false." You know, and we we can split hairs too with how they what, how they determine it as well. But with that said, we all know what's going on. And while I think you know that was a foot in the mouth moment, no doubt especially on the heels of some of the other things was two press conferences in a row. I think where, you know, he got criticized for, for, um, uh, not addressing a question from a student properly. Apparently that was a big deal. And then, you know, the one again after the UVA game, which I have, and we can, we can play it if we want. Um, and he kind of corrected that with, um, with Polly and, uh, Steve on again, Q Sports Talk Radio or Q Sports Talk Show or whatever it is, which is actually that's a decent follow on. It's ever, it's it's all of the people you would expect. Um, Brian Higgins and I think Brent Axe is on there. That's where On the Block is from, and then some other guys. But anyway, he was on there and kind of cleared that situation up, and. He, he just came out and said it. He was like, look, you know, I'm not in the best of moods after a loss, you know, especially he said four in a row, but he meant three in a row, four out of the last five, I guess. And um, you can only imagine being in his position for as long as he has to keep your, you know, your it, to have more of a filter. I think the fil- the longer you do it, the less of a filter you have. And there's going to be foot in the mouth moments. And I don't always agree with it. And it comes across rude, and it is rude in in some situations, but it's entertaining nonetheless for me. I mean, 
I'm fine with it. I mean, I get it. It's been like that forever. I, since I can remember, since long before I really even thought about doing a podcast for crying out loud, this is nothing new. So anyway, um, all right. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, he should have never, he should have never said I mean, the, the Benny Williams thing was like a miscommunication. And that's it the one was. thing that I hate about that uh, more than anything is um, come out and say something, you know, just don't say, oh, Benny Williams isn't here and coach Beheim will address it after Like if we know what the, what the deal is, then, then that should have been addressed because I'm, I'm like I said, they announced it over <clears throat> the TV when we were talking, uh, when the game started and made it sound like there was something going on. They didn't say anything about personal reasons. And then all game, there's people speculating on Twitter and killing Benny because, oh, you know, he's transferring, you know, that Malik Williams to, or Malik Brown took his starting job. Like, there's people killing him. And then they go out there, and then Jim Beheim, who's assuming that everybody knows that he just wasn't there for personal reasons, gets to the press conference, and this student asks him the question, and he's like, That's your question? Like, because he assumed he didn't know that people didn't know what was going on, um, and I don't think he really understood how it was ca- how it came across the TV to to everybody that was watching. So, um, overall, just a miscommunication. Like I said, it's dumb that we're that we're that they're still talking about. It's dumb that yeah, it's still a thing, and uh, it's increasingly stupid. It's almost like just trying to frustrate the guy to to the point where he's like, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm out of here. Like, you know, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's how it feels to me. And I don't know, you know, they they the Pete Thamel article, I can only guess who the who the radio host is because I'm not there. And so I don't listen to and I know I can listen on the app, but I don't listen to sports talk radio. I don't listen to really I listen to certain podcasts, but I don't listen to sports talk radio. Maybe I should. Maybe I should get on the on the app and listen to these shows, but I don't know who well, one thing is I don't like to be influenced by what I come here and say, talk about. I like to have my own thoughts, unlike some people. And I don't know. Who, I guess we can guess who it was, Joe, right? Who the article was mentioning, the radio host that keeps pushing the retirement thing? No. It, I don't know. I don't know either. And we can only guess, right? Because he wasn't mentioned. So um, right. anyway... I think a lot of this is blown out of proportion. I think it's blown out of proportion on purpose. And that's just how I feel about it. There was another article a buddy of mine sent me. Um, I got a buddy of mine who, who uh, I grew up with in Syracuse. He lives in Virginia Beach too now, ironically. And he sent me an article from Barstool talking about how uh, Syracuse basketball is going to remain irrelevant until Jim Bayheim retires. And the last I checked, you know, I know we're going through. I, we haven't gone, what, back-to-back? Back-to-back. Um, not going to the tournament back-to-back since, what, I think it's been like two in the past, like, 30 years or something like that, two different times. But, um, right. you know, one was 90s and then 80s or something. Or no, I'm sorry, 07, 08. And then, like, I can't remember. It's the 80, 81, 82, something like that. I can't remember. But there's there was two times. And um, this article mentions the fact that we're not going to be relevant in basketball until Jim Beheims retires. Uh, he can't recruit. I mean, when was the last time this many freshmen were on the floor? I mean, we got four on the floor at any given time. We got three starting. And I just don't understand where people, especially people like Barstool, they just, I mean, they don't understand what's going on. I don't feel like they have a full grasp of it. But to, you know, so my buddy sends me this article and, and he's like, oh yeah, every bit of this is is legit and, you know, Bayhammer needs to retire. And that's a fine, that's fine. Like you can have that opinion. The problem is, is when, 
I disagree with you and you get mad at me about it. <laughs> and I'm stupid because I disagree. Because I, I, I worry about who you get in here at $2 million a year. Um, you know, or in multiple other reasons. But you, they can have their opinion. But when you, when you say, well, I don't agree with that. That's when people get pissed. And this is a buddy of mine. And then he's, he ends the conversation with, go Boston College. And I'm like, okay, so that's where we're at as a fan base. We're just going to root for the opponent until uh, just to make Jim Beheim look bad and uh, he <clears> retires. <throat> I mean, I just don't understand that train of thought, that mentality. And this is why I say we're Syracuse fans are in a civil war right now with this because there's so much, <laughs> there's so much like, uh, there's lack of diversity of thought and you're a contrarian or have a contrarian view. If you, if you, uh, you know, want, you know, you don't want Jim Beheim fired or retired. And I just feel like, you know, if this is what we're going to spend the season on, um, you know, people might just get their wish or, you know what, it's just, people are just going to get fed up because all it is is bickering like on Twitter. And I know Twitter's not a real place, but that's all it is, is bickering back and forth. Um, so it's, it's draining to say the least. And, uh, the more I stay off Twitter, the better my mental health is anyway. So that's probably what I just need to do. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's always one of those things where, yeah, the fans, they, they have their right to their opinion, like you said. And, you know, obviously the fans, if, if they don't like what's going on then they want to be able to leave their opinion and put the pressure on the, the athletic director to make a change and, everything like that. And I think that this fan base, you know, there's a lot of fan bases that the fans can get, they can get the the coaches fired. And, um, I think that a lot of the fans that we have that don't want him, you know, I think that there's even more frustration because they know that, you know, obviously there's a good, good percentage of Syracuse fans that don't mind him still being our coach. And then they also know that no matter how much pressure they put in social media and everything like it, it doesn't matter. Like they can't, they can't get him fired. So I think that yeah. overall, I think all that, I think that like those type of fans, they like, they know they need like every single fan to basically like boycott Jim Beheim to basically get him out of there. And it's never going to happen. And they know that, you know, they're not in a position to pressure the athletic director to get him fired because it's basically on his own terms. So that can be frustrating is to a fan base for sure. Yeah. And I mean, you know, last I checked, Syracuse has been doing a pretty good job of recruiting. Um, that was also in that article I mentioned from Barstool. Elijah Moore uh, committed while we were gone, while we were on hiatus. Yep. yep. Um, Judah Mintz last year. So it's not for lack of um, talent that's coming on. It is a lack of experience, I think. And the system, I think, is more difficult. And... With the with the options that we have and the things the struggles Benny's having, it's just there's some things that need work. But it's not like we're going out there getting crushed every game either. It's it's be a totally different ball game. I think if if we're losing by 15, 20 every game, we've gotten crushed a couple of times this year. But we've we've held steady and strong with a couple of really awesome teams and good um, you know tournament teams and. It's just, it is a bit frustrating um, to have to sit here and talk about it, to be honest with you. I'd love to really get into fan feedback, but 
um, with all we got going on and getting into this game. I don't know if we're going to get into it right now, but with that said, I think it's time to uh, to turn our attention to what Coach said after the game, which wasn't a ton, to be honest with you, but we will talk about it. You know, I, I know you know Boston College has been playing really, really well. Um, I thought, you know, I, I mean, Post has really gotten better. He's really difficult to handle. Uh, I thought... Uh, we got good opportunities on offense. We missed some shots early. Uh, Joe couldn't get going. Chris missed some. But really, the game came down. Jesse had a big game inside. And, and I really think that Symeer and Justin Taylor, Justin Taylor really kept us in the game uh, with his play. And Symeer was really steady. Judah was up and down. He was struggling, and usually when he does that, he has trouble getting going again. But when he finally went back the last time, he had two great passes, one to Jesse, one to Malik. He hit a real big jumper, and he hit his free throws. Um, uh, I, I just thought he was a completely under-control player then. And, uh, you know, we're still making mistakes, and doing some things that you can't do, but this is a tough place. They had, this is the most fans I've seen here in the last, I don't know how many years, it's been a long time. And uh, I thought uh, we had to use the timeouts. We get in these down periods and we can't seem to pull ourselves out of them. And so every time we took a timeout, we were able to come back and score right away. And that, that was a difference. You don't like to use them all up, but if you don't use them, you're not going to need them at the end because you're going to be too far behind. But again, we lose four in a row and we didn't close a couple that we could have. It's always difficult when the team comes back and takes the lead against you. And we were able to make good plays, uh, really good plays down the stretch. about him as a freshman to struggle well, this, the whole thing is he hasn't been able to do that. When he struggled, he struggled. And the reason I took him out the last time, he didn't run back on defense. You know, I mean, that's a fundamental thing you got to do. And the other time I took him out, he didn't stop Langford. Langford drove the length of the court and made a layup. And he's worrying about something that happened on offense. And you, know, you, you can't make those mistakes. In some games when he struggled like that, he hasn't been able to go back in and play well. He went back in, he made two great great passes and uh, got to the foul line and also hit that little corner jump shot. So, I mean, he really played well at, down the stretch after struggling during the game. So, that's a good thing. When Jesse's that efficient, 12 or 15, is that a matter of him just maturing, learning where to be, just finding space? You know, he had a phenomenal game today. He made two or three shots I've never seen him make in practice or in games. So we're happy for that. But I think I would have been happy if he'd have made nine out of 15 of the shots he took. They were hard shots. He made a left-handed hook, a right-handed hook, a... I don't know. Two. He made three or four really shots that he is hasn't made, but 
I think he is capable, and I think if as he gets stronger and works at things, he, he has the potential um, to be a, a dominant player. All right, so uh, another somewhat slow start. Cy and Justin come in. They mix things up. They do a tremendous job. I love when Cy comes in and does his thing. It's just another dynamic, and um, we've said it 100 times, but he put in a, a solid what, 17 minutes um, yesterday, so last night. And, you know, Syracuse missing some early shots, not not abnormal, but um, Coach talks about not being able to come back into games when when uh, teams fight their way back in it. And there's been a couple instances of that this year, but uh, Syracuse holding their composure, I think they've done that as well this year uh, pretty good. And, um, you know, when you look at what they missed against Virginia – which was, you know, that game was theirs to lose, and they did, unfortunately, but they did it uh, three for 15, uh, not much better today, four for 14, both of those from behind the arc. But, you know, 21 out of 24 free throws for Syracuse against Boston College was huge. And, you know, kind of the difference, I think, if Syracuse hits a few more of those foul shots against UVA, then obviously that tightens that up, 11 for 18 there. And Syracuse has struggled tremendously from the free throw line. And I think that this is a good sign. Um, still wait, Obviously, we have to wait for consistency there, but... Um, to hit the foul shots is to win the game against Boston College. And they they had a lot of them. And for once, the discrepancy went in our favor on the on the free throws uh, against Boston College. But, hey, it is what it is. Uh, Jesse played one hell of a game, making, making shots that he normally doesn't even take, as you heard the coach say, you know, 27 points, and just kept himself out of trouble, dominated, and was able to uh, stick it to Boston College, playing against one of his his buddies from back home who he used to play with. So a pretty cool story there. But a game, Joe, that they had to win, nonetheless, must win. And we're looking kind of at the same thing against Florida State. But we start with Boston College, had to have it. It was like a status quo, like Boston College game. Yeah. You know, like we're always usually should be better than them, usually are better than them. Uh, but for some reason, most of the time we keep it kind of close and then they'll make it a little scary and uh, they end up falling in love with the three. And, you know, we end up taking care of business. Uh, it's nice to see us getting back to putting, you know, offense through Jesse Edwards. Looks like Jesse Edwards is kind of through his whatever his mid-year funk was. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you can tell that we're we're getting better <clears throat> in a lot of different areas. And uh, this was just a game that we definitely needed to have. Um, Coach talked about pulling Judah. And I know there was more, you know, I guess it wasn't really controversy, but questionable. The, the questionable benching early of Chris Bell during was the UVA game, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, so, real quick, he was with Matt Park at Carabas, and uh, he explained playing time. No, whoever starts playing well, they stay in longer. You get your playing time when you start, when you come off the bench, by how well you play. You play well, you stay in longer. You play well, you stay in longer. It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. You turn the ball over. There's options. You turn the ball. I mean, there was a soft grab 
uh, from Chris Bell at UVA. And then, you know, Judas struggled a little bit, but I think, you know, I don't want to say for once, but I feel like Judah responded pretty good uh, in this game to to getting pulled out. And, uh, you know, you like to see that. And we've said all year, he's going to make mistakes, but it's the experience. He's young. Um, next year, I think we're going to see a more mature Judah. And obviously, there's no doubt that he's going to be better uh, come next year as well. So... Um, those things are going to happen. And, and thankfully, he's got the options to be able to pull guys and, and put guys in. So, um, you know, Malik Brown being able to fill some shoes. And what he get, you know, he didn't have a stellar night last night, but still 37 minutes and um, six rebounds. So four assists. Um, still a solid night. And it's kind of what he's out there to do. It's great when he's down low helping, but Jesse didn't need help. <laughs> he handled it. So. No, no, he didn't. And then uh, a lot of times I look Malik Brown. He's had some good games and everything. But a lot of like the Boston College game, him and even you look at Samir and his 17 minutes that he gave like the box score. It's not filled. You know what I mean? It's not stuffed. It's not a stuffed statue, you know, like Jesse Edwards or or a Mince or Gerard or something. But um, but anybody that knows, you know, basketball can watch the little things and what people are doing on the other side of it. You know, all the, the little dirty things and not dirty is, you know what I mean? Gritty. But, gritty. Yeah. You're doing all the, you're the 50, blue 50 balls. All the other yeah. Stuff. All that yeah. Stuff. That kind of stuff. Like it's, you, you see that they're not going to show up in the box score, but you see that. And that's pretty much what Malik Brown and size game were, uh, yesterday with Boston college. So, <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, well, Oh, well, we'll take it. And like I said, size a good change of pace. And Justin Taylor, not bad. Justin Taylor hit some big threes. He was he three hit, for three. He hit, yeah, he hit two big threes that I remember. I know he hit he hit three, but two of them were big. And, um, you know, he's just kind of, he's going to come into his own. I think Justin Taylor, if he stays, is going to be a special player. I mean, we I'm not trying to beat a dead horse, but we've talked about it. This team, if this yeah. team sticks together and comes back next year, they're going to be really freaking good. Yeah. No, yeah. and it's going to be it's interesting because uh, <clears throat> scouting this Florida State team, we're we're quite similar. So you know, when once you get to the uh, this preview here, then uh, we'll be able to break that down a little bit and see see what's going on. But yeah, that's we've seen the talent. And we know that everyone can come back, which is why we don't ever recruit in the 2023 class. So only time will tell as far as that goes. But this year is not over yet. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the, the road narrowed, the path narrows. But, you know, it's one of those things that we still don't know exactly what's going to happen. And, uh, you know, I mean, I don't expect I don't expect um, I don't expect to make the tournament this year. I really don't. But. Anything could still happen, and um, right, ain't gonna stop me. Not mathematically I, it, out yet, right? And until then, then I'll keep my hopes alive. But uh, one thing I'm not gonna do is root for the opponent because I want the coach to look bad. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> so. Because at the end of the day, if you haven't figured it out, guys, the uh, you know Bayheim haters out there, uh, it doesn't matter. We were, he had his worst season last year under 500. He's still gonna come back. There's reasons for that. He's going out on his own terms. So um, you're wasting your breath. You're wasting your air uh, cheering for the opponent. So, Yeah, ex- exactly. And, I mean, look, 
I'm a cynic sports fan myself. I really am as far as, but not, it's just not like that with me with Syracuse for some reason, but like, you know, NFL, absolutely. I'm totally cynical. I say some cynical things for, you know, in, in college sports having to do with Syracuse, but at the end of the day, I mean, I've always just kept hope alive regardless of how pissed off I get. Um, Let's see. Let's go to Facebook real quick. Jake says, so so fun watching Judah and Joe play hero ball. Have any of these players improved? Maybe Jesse, but I say that's more from being on the international team. Uh, Has this coaching staff developed and made any of these players better? Is there any indication these players are learning from mistakes? Well, there's really only one other player that you can look to to say it's either improved or not improved from last year, and that would be Joe. And I would say that absolutely Joe's improved this year. Um, I don't think I don't think he's I think he's more comfortable where he's playing and how he's playing and having Judah there. Um, so I mean, obviously Jesse, but there's really no other players that are getting substantial amount of time for even to make that comment, I don't think. But I mean, realistically, if they can't see that this team isn't getting better, then they're blind. Well, that's the cynic. That's the cynic, cynical fan. And I mean, like, I get it. I really do. Um, but this team is a better team than what it was in the beginning of the year versus Colgate and Bryant. And come on. Oh, Nadal steps in. He says, I watch Bayham improve players year after year. We usually just play harder ACC slate um, at the end, which is true. I mean, the ACC slate, I think, is hard anyway. And, you know, you, you can't say Jude is playing hero ball. I mean, there's been some instances that are questionable, but he's just trying to, to do what he can to win. And let's be honest, like you can make an argument for Jesse, but other than that, he's, he, well, as far as ball handling goes, he's the best ball handler on the court. So uh, when you talk about playing some hero ball or having to dribble around something and make something happen out of nothing, then yeah, I mean, that's what he's going to do. That's called playing sports too. I mean, We've seen hero ball. That we've seen Joe actually do that. Something I would consider hero ball. Uh, we've seen that. Uh, I don't think Judah's really doing that. Not enough. Not on a consistent enough basis to make it a point. Um, let's see. David, Dave, top fan on Facebook. Needed to get off the Schneid. Mission accomplished. Yeah, I mean, look, another road game coming up, and you know you have to break the losing streak. <laughs> so we had a three-game losing streak earlier in the year in non-conference play. We have we have this one here. And, um, you know, with the slate ahead, got some more tough games coming up Florida, at Florida State, NC State, Duke, and at Clemson, and then at Pitt. And, you know, it's going to be um, – it doesn't get any easier. So we got to get the ones you need, and we needed that one, and we got it. So that's that. Uh, Brandon. On Facebook, top fan. The norm at this point, beat bad teams, struggle against mediocre teams, and lose to good teams. That's the expectation at this point of Jim's coaching career. Um, Well, we're beating the ones we should beat. And we're not beating the ones we need to beat to make a difference. So I understand that. I understand that. It's frustrating. Um, You know, when you look at Joe uh, UNC and thinking, man, should have had that game and then you're up on Virginia with very little time left and you end up losing by five. Um, 
it sucks. It's demoralizing, but um, you know, you think about man, if we could have had those two games, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we all have a Merry Christmas. But that's one of those things that um, you look back on recently. Obviously, is those two games, and especially the UNC game. UNC's not ranked, but that was just, that was still going to be a quad one game. So, um, yeah, you know, I mean, I don't know what else to say about about it. We need we need one. We're zero five in quad one games. That so was Virginia. What's that? Yeah, Virginia. Virginia was a quad one game too. Yeah, it was. Um, so I think the quad two game that we've got as a win is Virginia Tech, is it not? I think it might be, even though that was a, a home game. Is that right? Hmm. Um. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Um. Let's do. Let's go to Nadal. We heard Nadal's response to Jake. Let's let's go with Nadal. Top commentator Nadal. That's a new one. I didn't even know that was a thing. Justin Taylor. Justin Taylor absolutely massive nine points off the bench, nailing all of his three points attempts. Without him, we would we would have shot one for eleven, nine percent from beyond the arc. Swider or Buddy Bayheim would have been so good on this year's team. It, yeah, I wanted Swider back bad. I did. I wanted Swider back bad. I thought that would have been uh, uh, fantastic uh, to have Swider back. And I don't even know what Swider's doing. Hell, I don't even know what the hell Buddy's doing right now. So they both in the G League. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, let's let's see if we can hit a couple up from the uh, crap show that is Twitter real quick. Let's see if anyone has anything intelligent to say. Um, let's see. Here it is. Come on. Um, at Baptized by Fire, I thought they were going to sweep the leg there for a minute, but we ended up giving them a crane kick to the chin. Yes. At NYSoxFan79, excellent win. Great to see them close out a game. Uh, and Yeah, it looked like for a minute there it was not going. To, I think there was an inbounds pass that was stolen, and then a three was nailed, and you're just thinking to yourself, please, Lord, no. Please don't let this happen, okay? Because I can't handle it. And I was I was watching. I had to watch a condensed version of this game too. Um, but uh, I was in a bar. I could see it, but I couldn't hear it. So I wasn't really sure exactly what was going on. But um, at Oil Qs, refs were decent for a change. Jesse with was amazing with twenty seven points. Still need Benny to Benny to contribute more. Yeah, the Benny thing, man. I don't know, Joe. What do you got to say about the Benny thing? Really, when it comes to when it when you boil it down, this point in the season, you expect Benny to be better, right? Coach said he talked to Benny's dad, and that's when this personal day thing came up. He wasn't, um, no one's happy when they lose their job, and he was upset. And I think there was a mutual agreement to to from what I gather to to take the time. But you know, he comes into this game against Boston College. He plays seven minutes, two points. Doesn't you know? Just that's really it. Um, he got a he got a shot and an and one missed the free throw, and that was pretty much it for seven minutes. I mean, it's like I said, he's a sophomore. Malik Brown's a freshman. freshman, and you know he took his spot. So um, I don't know what that looks like for the future and into next year. Uh, that doesn't mean that he can't come back and win his spot, you know, and try hard and, and during the off season to get better. And become more consistent. Uh, 
So hopefully I'm just looking for, for really how he's going to respond for the rest of the year because he can still carve a little role in some minutes out on this team to help them win and, and move forward. Uh, so really <clears throat> what I'm watching moving forward is, is, you know, is Malik going to still continue to try as hard and, ho- and hope that he doesn't actually kind of, I don't want to say stop trying, but sometimes, you know, get complacent because he's got the starting job now. And then, you know, is Benny going to go out and take it? Or is Benny just not going to be a good teammate and just kind of go out there and, you know, kind of play through the motions throughout the rest of the season? Um, That's really, really what you got to look at. Um, And, you know, I'm hoping that he's not going to go through the motions, that he's going to still try hard to go in and possibly win his his job back or at least try to, you know, come off the bench like Samir uh, does and and Quetier and and how Malik did in the beginning. And and, and that's really what I'm going to look at. Uh, I don't want to speculate. Obviously, we know what the options in the offseason and everything can be. Um, but we've also seen players just put themselves in the transfer portal in the middle of the season, which, again, that wouldn't make too much sense because he's still going to you know, lose. I mean, this year's eligibility is gone, so you might as well play it out. So um, just something to pay attention to, something to watch. You don't want it to turn into any type of um, bad locker room, bad karma thing going on, you know, so – It'll be interesting to see, but hopefully, like I said, he took the high road last year, and I, I perfectly, um, you know, expect him to do that uh, this year as well. And uh, yeah, just do his best to, to get through the season and, and be a teammate off the bench, even though that wasn't supposed to be his role. Yeah, well, it's his role now. I mean, and coach said that you know, it's there's does it's in so many words, it's not rocket science. Um, he he just hasn't been as good as Malik. And I think we all see that, right? I mean, it's not that's not a controversial thing to to say, right? I mean, it's pretty obvious. I wouldn't so, think so. Um, and, and I mean, I love Benny. I hope Benny stays. I hope he develops. But, you know, for where we are in the season, for where he is in his time at SU, I just feel like he's way behind the curve. And that's that's really what it comes down to. And um, it's really all, that's it's the only analysis I have on it. And I like Benny a lot. Um, liked him a lot last year, but we kind of saw it last year. We just expected a little bit more and just not getting it. So, um, all right. FSU, Wednesday at 7 o'clock, okay? So a unique a unique day there for, for that. And then um, it's about a week off in between that and NC State. So no game Saturday. Uh, the all-time series between Syracuse and Florida State sits at 9-6 and six in favor of the Orange. The two teams played three times last year. Uh, the Orange going 2-1 and one in those games, a 63-60 win on the road, and then a 76-71 loss at home. Then the 96-57 infamous win in the ACC tournament. Uh, Gerard, Buddy, Sadibi, Swider, and Jimmy starting fire for that game. This would be Buddy Beheim's last game as an Orangeman. Uh, Swider with 28 points, 13 rebounds, and Anselm with 15 rebounds. Um, the Syracuse Orange and Florida State Seminoles first met in 1990. The Orange won the first three games in the series. The Seminoles would beat Syracuse in the first round of the NIT in 1997. The two teams would not meet again for 17 years until the Syracuse Orangemen joined the uh, ACC in 2013-14 season. All that from orangehoops.org. The Seminoles right now sit at 8-16, and 6-7 in the ACC. FSU, through their first 13 games, went 3-10. and 10. All right, They started out 1-9. and 
with the only win in that span of the of the one and nine coming from Mercer at home, eighty one to seventy two. They just barely beat the three and twenty Louisville Cardinals last night, eighty one to seventy eight. As far as players go, so it's kind of a weird matchup and some guys I you know I don't remember um Matthew Cleveland being one of them six seven sophomore guard he's he's leading the team in scoring with 14 points a game and there's Darren Green right behind him with 14 points a game Green's a fourth year guy transferred from UCF after three years there he uh throws up a ton of threes uh 177 on the season so far he hits about he he hit 72 of them so far this season it's good enough for 40.7 percent which is that's hefty dude that's really hefty. They've been starting four guards, their tallest of which is 6'7", uh, that being uh, Matthew Cleveland, who I just mentioned. Naheem McLeod is 7'4 center coming off the bench. Uh, he is averaging 18 minutes a game, though, uh, so expect to see plenty of him. He's averaging 3.5 rebounds a game, 5 points a game, and 2 blocks. The Seminoles are averaging 70 points a game, shooting 44% from the floor, 35% from 3, and 72.5% from the line. FSU is currently 209th in the net rankings, making this a quad three game on the road. So it goes without saying that this is a must win for Syracuse on the road. Um, Can't um, afford to lose this game if we want to keep tournament hopes alive uh, in the postseason. Um, A couple things real quick. Uh, Darren Green, 72 of 177 shots made from behind the arc. That's the call it 41%. That's huge. And it, what we're used to as Syracuse fans is when you stop a guy like Green, then there's the potential of someone else filling that role that you're not used to. And that creates another problem. So that's the big glaring issue for me. I know that, um, you know, McLeod is, is kind of green, but... I do also worry about Jesse Edwards putting himself into situations where he gets a couple early fouls. And with that said, uh, it's it's that's no good for Syracuse. Just look at how we got by Boston College. It wouldn't have been done probably without the game that Jesse had. Yeah, yes, uh, but you know, Florida State they do have um, some height as well. Uh, let me just get to where I wanted yeah. to get. They, um, so realistically, uh, Florida State, you know, they're a very, very similar team to us. Uh, and this was one of the things that I was interested in talking, talking about and everything. But when you look at their team coming in, um, they had Jalen Worley, who was a sophomore who we remember from last year, uh, Matthew Cleveland, sophomore from I remember from last year, um, Nate McLeod, Naheem McLeod, um, he was. I know that. I remember him being on the bench, but not playing that much. But I know he's a sophomore as well. So you had those three, and then um, Caleb Mills, the guard there that they had, that was a transfer from Houston last year. He killed us in some games too. He can hit some threes as well. They were like the only guys, and I mean, I, I likened it to kind of our situation. Like McLeod played about as much as um, as John Bull, and then they had Matthew Cleveland, Jalen War- Worley, and Caleb Mills. Um, Cleveland and, and Caleb Mills, they played a lot just like like Joe and Jesse. And then you had Worley who played a little bit just like Benny. So they're really only returning very, very few players that had some type of, you know, contributions last year. Then when you look at their um the recruiting class, Florida State had a fifteenth uh, best recruiting class. They had six freshmen, 
and two transfers that came in, which one of which was Darren Green. The other one, Jalen Ganey, um, he was a transfer from Brown. He uh, tore his ACL. So they're dealing with a lot of new players as well. Um, the other thing that, that hurt them as well is they did have uh, a player, uh, Cameron Fletcher, who played uh, last year as well, and he got hurt a little bit. Um, I think in December and tore his ACL as, as well. So they've had some injuries and uh, they're dealing with six freshmen in, in a transfer that's trying to help out, uh, you know, a very small core group of players that came back. So our, our makeup of our teams are pretty, pretty close to, you know, how we've had to navigate through the season. And, um, you know, I know Syracuse fans are upset, but, you know, we could be in the, in the boat that Florida State is. Now, Florida State's played a little bit better in ACC play as, it's, as the season's gone on, um, but they're eight and sixteen overall. So it's been rough for them. It's been rough for some other teams, and uh, yeah, I mean they have some height. Uh, they have a couple guys that shoot some threes, and, and their defense really isn't that great. They give up a lot of points. Uh, when you look at their their schedule and the teams that they have beat in the ACC. Um, you know, they have six wins, but four of them are against, what, Louisville? They beat Louisville twice. They beat Notre Dame twice Georgia, and Georgia Tech. So their big win at Pitt was their big win. So they've beaten uh, – they've got a quad one win, as funny as that is. They're 8-16. and 16, They're 6-7 and seven in the ACC, and they have a quad one win, and we don't. Um, but needless to say – their height isn't experienced. They have issues rebounding and have it had issues rebounding, which is why they've gone to the to the lower, um, smaller, um, smaller teams. So, I mean, I, I really don't know what to expect. Uh, it's a game that we need to win, and this is a team that's just that's getting better. And you know that they have some guys that can that can play. Matthew Cleveland can play. Caleb Mills has hit some big shots against our three, and and that other guy Darren. Uh, Green, he's just shot a crap ton. Yeah, 177. That's a lot. Yeah, 177 threes is a ridiculous amount of threes. Yeah, he's hitting 40 over 40 percent. That's even more ridiculous. That's all. That's I mean, you shoot that many and you're still hitting 40 percent plus. That's dangerous. That's seven a game. That's a lot, man. So that's my biggest worry. And I mean, I don't know about McLeod, uh, how he, he can disrupt Jesse, but at seven, four, you got to imagine. It's, he's raw, man. It, he's raw. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he but... doesn't have a ton of skill. He's more like, like uh, you know, the, uh, what do we used to call Chuku? And it's like, looks like a baby horse coming out of the womb. You know what I'm saying? Or he's just got the, got to get his legs under him and type thing. And it's kind of yeah. the same type of situation. What I worry about though, is just disruption as far as, you know, Bad fouls put Jesse like bad fouls yesterday would have lo- against Jesse would have would have lost us the game. Now for once the free throw free throw discrepancy um, was in our favor last night. You know I think um, where was it? Um, they only got to Boston College only got to the line four times to our what was it twenty four. So uh, for once that is that worked out in our favor, but. That's not very often, and had Jesse gotten in trouble last night, we would not we would not have won. I mean, it would have been very tough to win that game. Let's put it that way. So, Oh, absolutely. So, And so, I mean, this team's really been riding with, with guards all year. 
Um, I know they got a uh, Baba Miller is is a freshman with some size and some skill. I mean, they had four four stars uh, in this line and they're in this recruiting class. So um, he was suspended all the way to the middle of January. So he's another big guy freshman that is just he's only played seven last seven games. Um, so other than that, you're looking at a team with Matthew Cleveland, Darren Green, Caleb Mills and Jalen Worley, which is four guards. And then fresh uh, freshman Cam Corhan, who's a 6'10 freshman. Uh, forward who they've been running with so again they'll put in uh, they'll start cam they'll put in uh, Naheem they'll put in uh, Baba and there's going to be some height there but it's very inexperienced and I just I highly doubt that they're going to be able to to um, to stop Jesse offensively and it's just really a lot of times it's Jesse stopping himself it's just like you said getting in foul trouble so yeah so With that said, Joe, it's been a minute since we've done this. It's been quite the minute, actually, um, since January twenty fifth, I think. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's time to pick our picks for Syracuse at Florida State. Now, Syracuse has got to win this game. Therefore, I'm going to pick them to win this game, and I think they can. Um. I think Florida State is, like you said, Joe, they got they got a lot of talent and they just haven't put the piece together. And um, it's a great point that you made that, you know, with the similarities between the two teams, that Syracuse is actually ahead of the curve on getting, getting some of their stuff put together. But they also do have some core senior guys that have been huge this year in Jesse and Joe, okay? Yeah, it's a little different in that aspect. Right. So with that said... Jesse and Joe have big games. I, I think we cruise to victory. Not an easy place to play. Uh, going on the road again, too. Went to Boston College, not a huge trip, but going down to Tallahassee after a couple days off. And um, got to have this one going into about a six-day break before NC State, which will be uh, at home in the Dome. So, And then home against Duke. So they got to have it. Therefore, I'm going to keep my hopes alive. It's not quite um, the eight and two that that our buddy David from the green room would have liked um, that we talked about after the uh, Carolina game or Georgia Tech game, one of the two. But anyway, I don't think obviously we can't get there anymore. But we can do what we need to do and maybe pluck off a Clemson, a Pitt, or a Duke, or all three. I doubt it, but if you get. And NC State. What did I say? Oh, I don't know. I was just adding. Oh, yeah, NC State, too. Well, yeah, we got to have NC State, too. Yes, there's there's four good ones coming up, but the big ones, Duke, Clemson, Pitt. Um, you know, you'd like to get a Duke or a Clemson in there. And, of course, hey, Pitt's, Pitt's a given because that's at Pitt, and that's going to be a quality win uh, regardless. So... Uh, yeah. What were you going to say? It, other, than Florida, other than Florida State and Georgia Tech, the rest of our games are tough teams that are ahead of us in the conference standings. Yeah. So with that said, all right, um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Um, man, it's a tough call, honestly. The, the score's tough. I'm going to go 72-67 Syracuse. Joe, wow. Joe finally gets off. Um, you know the the little bit of the slump that he's been in. He's had a couple a uh, couple tough games, and um, he gets off. 
and in, in um, gets back to his his mid season self. See, this game kind of scares me a little bit because in some ways, I can see like this team having the the, the people to because if I've if I can remember last year, I feel like I remember Matt, Matthew Cleveland playing in the middle of the zone. He was either playing in the middle of the zone or the baseline and getting dunks. And um, like I said, Caleb Mills has shot threes, and we know like this Darren Green guy can shoot, so he's going to get shots off. You know that. Uh, but then that tells me we're going to try to keep, obviously, them from stopping to shoot the threes. So maybe we'll force it down low, make them make plays, make a, a young team that hasn't played against the zone this year. Or yet uh, <clears throat> play against it. I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what it's going to look like. That's what. That's really what scares me more than anything. So, um, I'm going to go close. Close to what you had, uh, but I'm going to go. Man, for some reason, I just feel like they're going to fall in love with the three, and their big guys really aren't going to be able to figure it out. Uh, maybe some foul trouble, some key players. Give me Syracuse seventy-five, Florida State sixty-five. 75-65. Okay. Fair enough. Gotta have it. It's quad three game. No, we do. Gotta have it. Um we don't we're not I mean, we're not great in the net right now. Um I think we are what? Um not awful. It's not awful. 97? It's not it's not great. It's not awful, but it's you know, we're we're five and two in quad three games. And we're eight and zero in quad four, thank God. But the five and two, you know, you've got to um, that can't that can't start to slip. So, and we'll just have to see. It's the only gauge we have, so we use it. It's not perfect, but it's not nope. terrible. So, um, all right, that's. I think that's going to be it. Now I could make this a whole lot longer, but um, I think we're good for today. Getting our feet yeah. back wet after after some time off. And we will be back here on Thursday after Syracuse beats Florida State. Thank all of you for tuning in. Thank all of you for your concern via DM and whatnot. Appreciate all you guys. Thanks, David. Hanging out in the green room here. Get on that. Everybody else. For Joe, I'm Sean. We're out. Peace.